0: Friends, it has been a tough, long, anxious week, near the end of a tough, long, anxious year. No matter what emotions yesterday's news brought for you, I think this season has felt unmoored for most of us with waves that keep hammering down and and fog so thick, it's hard to make out which way we're headed. And while the election has been called, it is also so clear what deep and dangerous divides exist in our nation. And so with all that, I feel like I could do with a gentler gospel today something maybe a little more reassuring. And instead, we have this troubling and perplexing parable, one that leaves me, at least, frustrated and uneasy. I mean, where's the wide-open welcome? Where's the embrace of the lost and the weary and the hungry? Have we left that other wedding parable so far behind? The one where they they go out into the streets to get anyone and everyone and bring them in? Well, it doesn't seem to be here. At least not in the way that we would generally prefer. Instead, we have an absurdly late bridegroom and intense labels thrown on these two groups of young women, a refusal to share what is needed, and finally, a cold, closed door. One of the tricky things about parables is that they can offer up truth in different ways, sometimes seemingly in contradiction with each other. They they invite us in from a whole host of angles. They challenge us to enter into this life of discipleship with different lenses. And I believe they can be true together. So yes, God welcomes us all, searches high and low for us, offers us incredible spreads of grace As we hear in many other parables. And yes, also, what we do matters. That's what I hear in this one that we do not have infinite time and opportunity, that there are real consequences to our choices. What we do matters. It's not just what we do generally or what we do for our neighbor. It also matters deeply what we do with the gift and call that God has given us, both as individuals and as a community. Back near the beginning of this gospel, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells all those listening that they are the light of the world. And that this light is not to be hidden. You are light, he says. And in times like these, times of waiting, times of fear, of isolation, times of trial, how we live out that identity will impact so very much. That as I understand it, is where things go awry for the so-called foolish bridesmaids. They want to go to this wedding. They want to join in the festivities with the bridegroom, but they haven't been all in as they anticipate this feast. They aren't practiced in this way enough to be ready to have arrived with fuel to last. They aren't prepared to keep that light going no matter how long it takes. And my goodness, can I relate. It's tempting to try to tease out a, a grading rubric from this patchy little story filled with holes and questions as it is. Some part of me desperately wants to find the metrics by which I might make it in God's eyes whatever that might mean. I mean, in some ways, though, it's, it's very simple. Some of these women were prepared, and some were not on this particular night. But here's the thing, the, the zinger of the parable. I don't believe that any of us fit neatly or consistently with either band of young women. We're both. We are wise and we are foolish. Sometimes we are prepared, ready to keep showing up. Sometimes we are weary and distracted, totally not ready to live out this call, and then flummoxed when we're found lacking. We are both. And it is to our own detriment if we fool ourselves into thinking that we've always got our flask of oil at the ready. One element of this parable that stops me in my tracks, though, is how the five foolish bridesmaids run off to buy more oil in the middle of the night, when uh, the others could have helped. I mean, they—they they ask right. They, they reach out, they see what they need, and these so-called wise ones send them away. And they do this instead of, of linking arms and sharing the light that they have. It troubles me. It doesn't seem like what we're called to do. And as best as I can tell, I think this is because Jesus teaches in hyperbole. He grabs our attention this way, exaggerating not because he's he's telling us that we ought to do it this way, refusing anyone our light, but instead he's painting this intense picture to make a point, to highlight that what we do matters. We can't just waltz into this way of love unprepared. We have to dig in. We have to live into this call. We have to invest ourselves deeply over time in sharing the light. And in reality, being so very human, we will always inhabit both places. We will come prepared, ready, with ample light, and we will be called up short, left to scramble. We will be motivated to choose another way next time, and we will reach to share what light we have, remembering what it was like when we watched the door close from those cold front steps. We live both, and the call is to reach ever more towards that deep reserve of fuel towards sharing generously the light we have and are called to be. I want to leave you with an image I've been leaning on this week. It's one of an obsolete maritime practice. It's long gone, but it it feels so resonant for the world we are navigating right now. For hundreds of years, sailors were challenged by hidden obstacles, especially in places where the waters prevented them from building up lighthouses to steer ships clear of the rocks or the wrecks. And maps helped them some, but when storms kicked up, fogging their vision and and thrashing their decks with waves, they needed something more something to help them find their way safely home. The answer that they found was the light ship. It was a ship much like any other, but her purpose was, by and large, not to sail. Instead, her crew navigated to the most treacherous parts of the channels and anchored there. When the storms came and other ships could no longer see their way, the crew would shine their beacons, they would blow their foghorns, serving effectively as a floating lighthouse, way out in the ocean, squarely in the most dangerous waters. The crew's job was to hold fast, to light the way safely through, to light the way home. And serving on these light ships, it was not a job for the faint of heart. The crews had to prepare well for this job, to be ready to weather the wild storms as they came, staying anchored right there, shining. It was risky and frightening and exhausting. And their steadfastness was a tremendous gift to all who found themselves adrift and in need. Friends, there is some of the work, some of our walking this way of Jesus that no one can do for us. Even with all the welcome and grace we receive from God and each other. At the end of the day, what we do Matters. We will get it right sometimes, giving ourselves fully to this way and living wholeheartedly into the call to be the light God has created us to be. And we will mess up dramatically, painfully, with such disappointment. This is the humble reality of being human. I believe the days ahead are still going to be rocky. There are more storms coming, more waves that will bury us for a time as we try to make our way. And so, if you are lost, if you can't find your way forward, look for one of these light ships. Look for someone offering themselves as a beacon on the way. And friends, if you possibly can, be that light ship. Practice and prepare. Give your time and energy to the work of keeping your stock of fuel ready. And then keep shining through the storm.